All right, well, good morning, good morning once again. Um, my name is Evan, if we haven't met. For those of you who uh, have known me for a while, you know that uh, I have a few side businesses. One of them is uh, Wedding MC. I've emceed about uh, close to 100 weddings now, and I've done many of, of yours, y'all's, okay? Not yours individually, unless you've had multiple weddings. <laughs> we should talk. Uh, but one of the funnier stories that I remember was uh, one of your... One, somebody's father had come up to me. Now, the bride and groom, you, had come up to me and you've told me, hey, if anybody tries to come up and sing a song, this is not one of those weddings. Some weddings, you know, are okay with like karaoke or having people, you know, their, their moms or dads, oh, this is a special dedication. They sing their favorite song uh, because they've been told that they're really good at it. And so, you know, but you told me specifically, if anybody comes up, if my dad comes up and tries to sing or something, the answer is no. And so, uh, inevitably, what happens? this man comes up to me and he said, I'm the father of the bride. I'm like, oh, wow, you know, congratulations. This is great. And he said, and this is my friend. And guess what he asks? My friend has a special song that he has dedicated to my daughter. And I'm like, hmm, yeah, I'm, 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 yeah, let me, let me look at the schedule. I, we're really tight. I'm really good at this. Okay. I know how to do all this by now. But he looks at me again and he's like, no, 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 you have to let him sing. I'm like, uh, you know, I'm not sure. And then he says this, you don't get it. He's a doctor. (laughs) And I said, of music? (laughs) I don't care if he's a doctor. Is it it medical doctor? Is it music doctor? That's what he is. Like, we are so obsessed with credentials. Right. If you have, I mean, I have them here on my wall. Like we put them up everywhere. We are credential run. We are in a culture that is uh, really big on degrees. And like, I am, I am proficient and really good at this, this area. Right. Uh, That's just the academic drive that we come to is like, ah, I have achieved some level of competency. And so therefore I am now qualified to apparently sing at a wedding. Okay. We're in a series called uh, Wounded Healers, and uh, it's a series where it, it's, it's an amazing series at a look through 2 Corinthians, where we see there is so much brokenness, but yet God takes the broken and he goes to heal and fix others, even in the midst of our brokenness. All of us have been hurt at some point. All of us have hurt others, but yet God heals us. And even though, he, even though we are wounded, he, he uses those who have been wounded to actually heal others as he's healing us through others who have been wounded. It's a really cool process, right? Now, this week, I'd like to uh, take a look at a passage that kind of answers a really big question that might be on many of our minds, especially as we're in the midst of a season of evangelism and and talking about being a minister. That is a big thing. Let's acknowledge that, right? You might have been told these last few weeks, like, you're a minister, and you're just sitting there like, I'm a minister? Like, I don't think I'm qualified. I'm not really, like, I don't have a degree on my wall that says I'm a minister of Jesus. I I mean, I do, but, you know, everybody else out there is like, uh, no, well, I don't have that degree. I don't have that title. I didn't go to school for it. Ministering to others, healing others, telling others the the gospel, isn't that what, you know, like, Pastor Tony does? Isn't that what Pastor Lynn does? Isn't that what, like, Diane and Perry and Evan, like, all of them, they, they studied this, okay? So they are the ones that, that go out and tell everybody about Jesus. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's actually, that's not true. We are all called the royal priesthood over and over. We are sent out as the royal priests 
of God to go and share the good news, to go invite people into this lifestyle of faith, into this life of faith with Jesus. And so you may be questioning, well, what then gives me the right? What gives me the credential to be able to go out and, and, and minister? Minister, by the way, means to serve, okay? Uh, like it's like the ministry, it's like the service, right? We minister, we serve others in the world. We are bringing about Jesus' healing, but you may still be like, I'm not credentialed. I don't have that degree on my wall. What qualifies somebody to minister? Okay, what qualifies someone? That's the central question today. Uh, the, we're going to answer that question by looking into 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to start verses 1 through 6 and then jump down from, uh, from uh, 12 to 18. We're going to start with 1 through 6 and break it down. And, and it's amazing the implications of what you'll find what Paul says about this. So uh, let's, let's go ahead and pray and then I'm going to read through 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 1 through 6. Let's pray first. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much um, for being in our lives, for calling us to yourself, and for empowering us, for mobilizing us, for inspiring us, for loving us, and for helping us uh, to be healed and, and to go out and share that healing that we have experienced with others. We pray that during this season that you will uh, bring about the brokenness in our lives, that we may bring that to your feet that you may heal us. And at the same time, we pray that you will bring others who are broken into our lives, that we may have opportunity to share the hope and the healing that we have found in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, I'm really looking forward to this. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, that, uh, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such confidence we have through Christ before God, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Look again, verse, uh, verses 1 through 3 with me. Okay, It starts with, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Paul is basically kind of joking a little bit with this congregation. Remember the context. This was a church that basically kind of pushed away. Paul found this church, right? He didn't find it. He founded it, right? He started it. He gathered these, these Christian people together, these seekers, these people who are like interested about God. They were not the best bunch in the world, right? But neither was he in his past. So he brought them all together. He formed a church out of it and, and, and grew them. He loved them. And then he went off into a mission field. And all of a sudden, all of these people were saying, well, who's Paul anyway? It even appears that there's this other group that came in and started of super apostles. You could read about that. I believe it's, uh, I believe it's in chapter 11 or 12, where these other, these other people are coming in and, and they're smooth talkers. They're much more eloquent than Paul. And they're basically saying, you know, who's this old man anyway? He's, he's kind of crotchety. I don't really know what he's talking about. And Paul's like, what, what are you talking about? I don't know you. I don't know what I'm talking about. What are you talking Yes, I do. I may not be as good of a speaker as some of them, but man, I know Jesus and I know that he spoke to me. 
and he's just contending for their hearts, right? They had had a, a falling out, uh, Paul in this church, and now he's starting to reconcile with them, and, and he's uh, hoping that, like, look, I, I hope you know I still love you. Like, I had to say some hard things, but, man, I, I love you guys. And so now he's joking and saying, do I need to provide some sort of resume for you <laughs> that, that to prove that I actually am serving uh, God and, and serving you? Okay, letters of commendation were basically a resume or a CV. It's some, a commendation just means to praise. Do I need some sort of recommendation? That's a recommendation, right? Do I need somebody else to say how great I am? Or like something, we still have these things today, by the way. Resume, letter of rec. And he's joking with them, saying, no, I don't. And the first thing that he looks at uh, to know that he is qualified is looking at the track record of what God has already done through him in their lives. Look again, verses uh, 1 through 3. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. So Paul is, is basically saying, I have come and basically published the letter of Christ that is already going on in your lives. He's looking back at the track record and reminding them and himself of like, look, God was doing something in your life and I was able to come and, 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 and learn that story and hear that story and publish that before the world. Okay, so he looks back and he knows without a shadow of a doubt that I am qualified indeed. And he's showing them, I am qualified. Why? Because before that, you were what? All of these other like terrible things that 1 Corinthians talks about. But Jesus came into your life and I was able to publish that. I was able to see that. Now you say, okay, that's cool, but that's Paul. Paul definitely had his credentials. He had his credentials. Evan, you might be like, dude, this guy was like the apostle of apostles. When you look at uh, Philippians chapter 3, he even lists what his qualifications are, how he's not just Jewish, he's a full-blown Jew, Jew of Jews, in fact. That I was, uh, you know, he, he studied under one of the best teachers, Jewish teachers of his day. So was Paul qualified in all of that sense, academically, to be able to go and minister and say, like, yeah, look at my track record. Well, Yes and no. You may say, yes, he was very qualified. But even Paul himself in Philippians says, I, call, I count all of that nothing. My high degrees, my heritage, my, my, my race, all of those things, I don't count as anything compared to simply knowing and having a relationship with Jesus. Because degrees don't bring about a relationship. And even here, as he's saying, I'm a publisher, sure, I'm proclaiming what God is doing in your life. But he goes on to say in verses 4 through 6 that it's not me that is bringing about this transformation, mind you. Look again, verse 4, he says, such confidence, my qualification, in other words, we have through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything from ourselves or for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. 
For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Okay? So what qualifies you and me and, and all Christians to minister or to serve or to bring about healing? It's the Spirit of God living in you. Absolutely, it is the Spirit of God that is moving and working and transforming you. That is what qualifies you. And that's not something you can print on a paper and stick on your wall. It is something that lives inside of your heart. It is that relationship that you have with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Okay, now this has two implications at least that I'd, I'd, like, to, um, I'd like to discuss. Okay, one, for the, in the Corinthian mind, they're thinking, okay, who's this Paul guy anyway? Why do we have to listen to you? And sometimes we might be thinking that too, right? We butt up against another Christian or maybe one of the leaders or, or even me or a pastor, another pastor who, who you're thinking like, what do I got to listen to you anyway? Why do I got to listen to you anyway? And again, it doesn't even have to be a pastor. It could just be another Christian. And they're like, hey, I noticed this in scripture. I noticed this, uh, you know, as we're walking together and you're just in total disagreement. You have to trust that what qualifies them to say something is not just them and their preferences, but that God may be speaking through them to you. Okay. So number one implication from knowing that Paul was like, look, I'm not competent in myself. It's all the Holy Spirit that is bringing about this transformation. Now, if we were to put ourselves in the Corinthian mindset, they basically, excuse me, are being are being brought to the, the reality that actually the Spirit of God is working in Paul and working in other Christians around me. And in the same way, if we have disagreements, we need to also trust and be reminded that, yeah, but you know what? God is working through them. I'll give you an example, okay? Uh, the, the simplest one, the, the quickest one that I can think of uh, is actually Tony and I, right? You may have noticed by now that Tony and I are like, like polar opposites in so many things, right? Uh, one of you put it a really good way. It's like, man, I love... Like how you and Tony are like yin and yang, right? It's like the yin-yang symbol. It's like, it's like it flows, it goes together, but polar opposites. It's black and white. I'm obviously the white one, okay? Um, <laughs> but it's like, wow, like you guys, you bring about like the, the bigger picture of God together, but you're very different in your approach. Now, it's probably like, wow, that's so great. Two Christian pastors who work together side by side, so great. You'd be surprised. We have a lot of disagreements about, and it's usually how things are done. We're about 97%, I don't know, it's just a number, the same theologically, right? We're like, oh yeah, absolutely. Like it says right there in scripture. There are some things that maybe it's like secondary things. It's like, I think it's more like this. Well, I don't know. I think it's more like this. But at the end of the day, we're like, ah, uh, well, I'm willing to just say, you know what? Maybe I'm wrong, right? And in the same way, when we, when we butt up against each other and say, you know, I think, I think it's this. I think this is what, uh, this is what you know, reality is uh, for the church or for this message or whatever. And maybe we have a disagreement. It's like, no, no, no. It has to be this approach. You can imagine. It's like two people trying to drive a car. <laughs> it's, no, it's go left, go right. But one thing that we both are able to do, and, and the only way that we're really able to work together and to listen deeply to each other and, and allow our pride to melt away is to go before Jesus and say, God, help me to see what you're doing uh, and what you're saying through this brother. Okay, and this has happened again and again. And it's this beautiful thing where, you know, we're, we're able to like, mm, I don't know, I don't know. But when we step back and we, we let our pride melt away and we say, you know what? I know that your spirit is working in them or in him or in whoever it is, the other Christian that you are butting up against or even leader. 
Okay, you might not always agree with all of the leaders at the church all the time about direction. Of like, oh, I think we should go this way or that. You have to trust that God is working in them. Okay? Trust that God is at work in others. And that is what Paul is doing. He's saying, look, I, I'm not, <laughs> look at my track record. Yes, there is fruit where I am going. But don't think for a second that it's me and like how great I am as Paul. These other super apostles, as he calls them later in the letter, are coming in saying, we're smooth talkers. We know what's up. Paul doesn't. He's like, look, I'm not, I'm not as eloquent. I'll give them that. They're really skilled at speaking. That's great. But I know Jesus. And he's like, I know as a relation, I know Jesus. And he's appealing to that. Like, don't look, maybe you disagree with some of the way I do things, but hear me out. I've sometimes had to uh, squash arguments when some of, of uh, our small groups or some Christians come from our church and they, they're like, hey, Evan, I don't really agree with this or what do you think of that? And I try to bring it back to, well, but what is the truth of what they are saying? Maybe you don't agree with how things are said. And trust me, I'm the king of that. I'm really big on like how things are said. And so I think that's usually where I get all hung up. I'm like, yeah, but it has to be. No, when you say that, it has this implication. But I have to sit, stand back and say, God, please lower my pride and help me to see what their heart is saying because I know your spirit is working in their heart. Okay? When we do that, we will find that, wow, there are, there is, we will learn, we will grow so much faster and we will grow so much closer when we're able to see that God is working in others, other Christians. I need to trust that. Okay? The more you're able to do that, wow, you're going to be able to thrive in relationships uh, with one another, with the leadership, with, um, just with, other, with other Christians of other churches, whatever it is, to be able to hear and listen what God may be saying through other Christians. Okay? Know that it's not them. Okay? It's, it's what the Spirit might be doing. Now, test that, of course, against Scripture. I'm not saying don't discern. Like, yeah, I'm a Christian. I think you should blah, blah, blah. Okay, there are, of course, personal preferences. Fine. We could disagree all day on whether or not my couch should be this way or that way, what color the floor should be. Those things don't matter. But when it comes to, uh, to life choices, life decisions, and we're trying to bring healing okay, to one another, we have to hear what God may be saying. Uh, that lines up with his word in other, in other Christians, okay? Second implication to, to what Paul is saying, such confidence we have through Christ before God, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. Now, let's pivot a little bit and let's put ourselves in Paul's mindset. We've looked at the Corinthian mindset like, okay, that's a good point. God is working in you, Paul. It's God at work, right? But now let's put ourselves in Paul's mindset as a minister to others. Okay? As a minister to others. Let me tell you a quick story. Uh, I'm sitting there at my commencement for seminary, right? I just, uh, I'm just about to receive my, uh, my, my little plaque that says that we will send your degree in the mail. <laughs> okay? They don't give it to you there. And our seminary president steps up and he said he had this great sermon for us. I don't remember anything but one thing towards the very beginning where he's affirming all of the things that we learned. Okay, the Master of Divinity degree, degree is a big degree. It's about anywhere from 85 to 100 units, depending on your seminary. 
So that's like another bachelor's degree, only masters. Most masters are like 30 to 40 uh, uh, units, right? So this is a big degree. And he's like, you know, you have, you're now skilled in pastoral counseling and preaching and missions and discipleship. You've learned two ancient languages and how to parse words in Greek and Hebrew. And, and he's naming all these classes that we've taken. We're sitting there like, yes, thank you for affirming all of that hard work that we've done. Oh, yes, praise God. It was so hard. Oh, and here we are feeling all like, yeah, we're ready. Right now we're ready. And he pauses and he says, trust in none of them. Trust in none of these skills or tools that you have acquired. And all of our eyes went wide like, are you kidding? Then what did I do all this for? <laughs> he said, they are tools that God will use through you. But don't trust in your degree. Don't trust in any of those things. But only in the power of the Holy Spirit working in you. I think all of us just started crying. Paul didn't trust in any of those things that he had, any of those credentials and his past of studying and all of those things. I've sat, I've sat down with a brother um, maybe a year ago, um, and we talked about this, and he said, well, you know, it's easy for you. You know, you got that degree, uh, you know, you went to seminary. You're the one that's qualified. I, I, I wouldn't know what to say if I were to open my mouth and teach. I wouldn't know what to say if I were to go and, and share the gospel with somebody. And I, I showed them a passage, it was actually in 1 Corinthians, I think, chapter 2. I don't remember exactly where, but I just remember opening up scripture and then asking him, like, do you, are you a believer? <laughs> and he's like, oh, uh, yeah. I'm like, okay. Do you believe you have the power of the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that resurrected Jesus Christ in you now? And he said, yes, absolutely. And I said, then you are qualified. That's all you need is to open your mouth and allow the spirit to be the one to guide. It's an act of faith. But it's the Holy Spirit that's working in you. Stop thinking that it has to be some sort of calculated way, formulaic. I mean, we want to practice, of course. We, we do need, you know, exercise, spiritual exercise. But the real thing that brings about change is, is God. We are just the tool. We are, we have to go, right? A surgeon, for example, isn't just going to rip a human being open with their bare hands. That would be terrible, right? That's a monster. But they need a scalpel, right? They need the scalpel to make the incision. And you have to trust that you are that scalpel. Now, overall, Paul is saying, yeah, I, I'm the scalpel, okay? But the surgeon is the one that is at work. I've been used over and over. But it is truly the hand of God, right? You don't get up from a surgery and walk past the surgeon and thank the scalpel, right? Okay, thank you, scalpel. That was great. No, I was a surgeon. But we are that tool, that conduit. You trust that you have the Holy Spirit working in you. Because Paul certainly did. And he saw the fruit around him. Because he was faithful. But he said, well, it's not me that brings change. Paul knew. I can't even save myself. I mean, it was Jesus. And Jesus continues to do that now through you. Now, some of you, okay, so one, we trust that the Holy Spirit is working in those around us, okay, and in our leaders. Secondly, uh, we trust that the Spirit is working in us. 
Now, some of you may not be completely feeling it, right? You might think, man, okay, I, I get it. Mentally, I'm qualified because of Jesus, because the Holy Spirit is working in me. I, I get that. I hear that. But you still may be a little bit hesitant because you're like, I just want to, I, I really want to make sure that I get it right. I got to get it right. Check out this, this verse, where he goes with this, because what Paul does after that is he, he, he begins to talk a little bit about this idea of the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament, right, was all about following law, following rules, making sure that everything was perfect. But then saying, hey, but you know what? There was some glory in that, of course, to, to show who Jesus is. But the New Testament is something even more amazing, right? It is, the New Testament is Jesus, God himself, revealing himself by becoming a man, becoming flesh. Dying for all of our sins so that we're no longer bound to some tradition of trying over and over. And he's basically sharing the gospel yet again. And he picks this up. Look at this, verse 12. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not just the letter of the law, right? But now we have something else. We have this hope that Jesus is in us. We are very bold. We're not like Moses who put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away, but their minds were made dull for it to this day. The same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has been removed because only in Christ it is taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the, spirit, where the, now the, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. For we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. What had happened, in case you're confused, I, I know I have been confused about this passage for until last week. What, what was going on was uh, Paul mentioned Moses, in the Old Testament, Moses was the one who wrote the law, right? He got the law from God. And he saw God on Mount Sinai. He saw part of God, his glory, and his face was shining. And he came back down and everybody was going, oh, and so he put on a veil. But he kept the veil on because he was afraid. According to Paul, he was afraid that once that glory that he saw of God, once it faded away from his face and things went back to normal, Moses was afraid that people would lose hope. That, oh, I guess God's glory isn't that great. It doesn't remain. It doesn't stay. It isn't like constantly renewing, but it's just this sort of one-time thing. So by keeping a veil on the face, people were always wondering, like, huh, I wonder if, like, well, okay, I guess God's glory is still in there. But on the inside, Moses was saying, oh, you know, I just I don't want people to be discouraged. You know, they don't see the glory anymore. Now, in a way, um, a lot of us do wear a veil. A lot of us do wear this veil of, uh, and that's where our hesitancy to share the gospel or our hesitancy to minister is. We put on these veils and we don't want to share God's glory with anybody because we're afraid that maybe it's not really there anymore. And that's Old Testament thinking. That might come uh, from a few different things, right? It may come from our upbringing especially for those of you who uh, grew up in an academic household where it's like you have to get everything right, you have to be perfect. You may have come from a really strict household where you were punished if, if you didn't conform to expectation 
right? And so you're so obsessed with like trying to get everything perfect before you go out and minister for the sake of Jesus. You want to make sure like, okay, I get it. I have the Holy Spirit, but I really got to be sure that I know my stuff. Because if I'm wrong, oh man, if I don't get an A+, plus, right? A is, 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 is average. B is a beating. C is, is concussion. D is death, right? And you're so afraid of getting it wrong. So you're, you're over and over going about in your head like, how do I minister to this? How do I share the gospel? You know, I got to do it perfectly. Listen, I want you to know that it's okay if you don't get everything perfect. You won't. We cannot encapsulate how great God is into a few simple sentences. But the Holy Spirit can speak to whatever that other person is going through that you don't know. Only the Spirit knows what is going on in the life of somebody else. We don't have to wear a veil worrying like, oh, I don't want people to lose hope. Jesus tore a veil of the temple through his death and resurrection. It's actually contrary to the gospel if we're sitting there forever saying, I have to make sure that I get it right. That's the Old Testament. We live in the New Testament reality. Where the Spirit of the Lord is in you, there is freedom. That's what we want to share. What does that take? That takes a constant reflecting of Jesus. That takes a constant uh, looking deep into the reality of God. That, con- that takes a constant relationship and going back. In, G- in uh, John chapter 15, Jesus says, Abide in me. Constantly be with me. You will see the fruit. Okay? You will see the fruit. But abide in me. Be with me. Trust that just you're simply being with God, looking at and and cherishing His Word is enough. So that when you open your mouth, the Spirit just comes out. Again, I'm not saying don't practice, don't, you know, (laughs) like don't think about what you're going to say, but trust that the more frequently you're just sharing and talking, that the Holy Spirit will be at work ministering. Um, some of you have, uh, have mentioned, uh, like, wow, you're really good at sharing the gospel. I've actually, so I've actually been sharing the gospel and I don't mean to like pat my, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back or say like, see, I'm so credential. I've actually, I want to share this to encourage you. I've actually been sharing the gospel since I was about 16 before I went to church, (laughs) before I went to church, (laughs) y'all. Okay. I didn't go to church. I became a believer outside of the church. I know it's a very strange story, but I actually became a believer and follower of Jesus um, before I went into the Christian community, right? That's probably why I struggle a lot, like trying to be in a community. It's still something new to me. Uh, So I thank you for your patience and your love with me of like, oh, what's up with Evan? Like, why is he, you know, this way? I'm I'm sorry, (laughs) you know, Um, but that's, you know, that's where I'm at. I'm still learning, but as far as like just reading the word, praying, being with, like, just being in the presence of God. I was able to do that and then go into the world, into my workplace. I'd be really good at what I did for whatever it was. Like, I'd want to just do the best job possible. And I'd constantly share with my coworkers. I was like the Jesus freak, okay? I was like, oh, you know what, God, you know, he says this in his word and this and that. And they're like, what church you go to? I'm like, I don't go to church, homie. And they're like, what? 
you don't go to church? I'm like, no. And they're like, how do you know the word? I'm like, I read it, you know? And it was like this big thing, you know? I'm like, I talked to Jesus, you know? And uh, I probably looked really crazy, but that was when I was most evangelistic was I was just, I would just be with, with Jesus. And the spirit was working and people actually said, are you, they first asked, are you a PK? Which I'm like, no, I'm not a penalty kick. I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't know what a pastor's kid was. And then they're like, well, I feel like you're a pastor. And I'm like, I don't even know what a pastor is. I know Jesus, right? He's kind of cool, right? And so it was this awesome season and time in my life where that was probably the most evangelism I was doing was just being with God and then sharing the revelations of what I was reading. And people were encouraged. People were perplexed. They were like, what is this? What's going on? Right? I even prayed with some people uh, like, hey, do you want to know Jesus? Let me pray with you. Right? And, uh, and that, it was an incredible season. And I can't say that it was because of seminary. I can't say that it was because of an awesome church program. I can't say that it was anything other than the Holy Spirit working through me as I was reading and meditating and praying and just being with Jesus. That's all the call is. Is allowing him to transform you. Okay? That's what Paul's saying. Like, as in a mirror, I'm just reflecting, right? I got to look in the mirror over and over. But trust that God will transform you into that image. Okay? There should be no need for hesitation of like, do I need to do it perfect? No. But we do need to be obedient. Okay? So I'd like to close. Um... Again, remember, remember, okay? I'd like to close actually with this challenge, okay? What if you were to view your, your life as a letter that God is writing to the world, okay? And your job is to read it out loud. And what if you were to view the mission field before you? Those lives that you want to reach, okay, in your evangelism as letters that God is writing. Some of them are tragedies. <laughs> I'll be honest, some of these stories that are out there are tragic, but their story's not over yet. And maybe God has written you into their story so that he may speak to them and change that story or that letter. Okay, you are a publisher. You're a Christian publisher. There you go. So our job is to go and proclaim what God is, is, is about to do in people's lives and in one another's lives, okay? What if we were to view the lives around us in the church and even outside of the church as letters that God is writing to this world? And our jobs were to go and publish them, okay? So again, remember, God is at work, okay? It's not about degrees, it's not about perfection. Yes, we wanna be the best that we can, but ultimately we, don't have, we can trust. We don't have to worry about, am I credentialed? If you have the Holy Spirit in you, you are credentialed. Trust that God is at work in your brothers and sisters around you. And trust that he's at work in you. And trust that you are a publisher of the New Testament, the New Covenant. Okay, that Jesus Christ is alive and at work. Let's pray.